Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Well, we are in week two of a series that is called Issues of the Heart. We started last week and I spoke a little bit about forgiveness, but this is an incredibly important series. And I genuinely believe that people will get freer as they listen to it. We call it issues of the heart because you know what? Your heart has probably been known to make a few bad decisions even in your lifetime. And so the thing about your heart is it's complicated. I mean, gosh, sometimes your heart can, you know, tell you the truth. Sometimes your heart will lie to you. Sometimes your heart is soft. Sometimes your heart can be hard. Sometimes your heart is smart. But the other thing it can do uh, is it can be dumb. And if you listen to your heart when it says something dumb to you, well, guess what? You just got to live with the consequences of whatever your heart told you to do. Here's something Jesus said about the heart. Matthew 15 verse 18. He said, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. That's because your mouth is the overflow for your heart. So, you know, oftentimes if people speak or they say something you get an insight to their heart because of what their mouth is doing. And it's not necessarily a problem, you know, relating to their mouth. The issue that they have is with their heart. Their mouth is just given way to whatever is going on deep down inside of them, which is why it's so important that we protect our hearts where we can, that we listen at the appropriate times and not at the inappropriate times. You know, recently I went away with my family and we were away on holidays with, you know, my parents. And so, you know, all the grandkids are there and my kids got into uh, playing, playing cards or playing Uno. And, and so, you know, they wanted their, their papa, they wanted their papa to come and play. So they're like asking him, come on, why don't you play? And I said, yeah, come on, dad. Why don't you play cards? Like everyone else is doing it. And he said, no. He said, not playing. Right? And I was like, come on, Dad, like, you know, just play with the kids. He goes, okay. He goes, but I'm not playing if your mother is playing. <laughs> I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm not playing if your mother is playing. I said, why is that? He said, because she always wins. You know, every card game I've ever played with her, she always wins. See, my dad is a smart man, right? He's protecting his heart. He's protecting his marriage by not playing cards with my mum. And so, you know, he just knows which way it could go. So he's just not even putting himself in a position where his heart could say something that maybe, I don't know, he might regret later. It's amazing to me how many people can get worked up over stuff that you, you know, really just doesn't matter. You know that? You already knew that, didn't you? It's amazing how people can get worked up about things that honestly, in the grand scheme of things, they just don't matter. I just, maybe just show a hands. Have you ever played Monopoly with a friend? They're not your friends anymore. They're not your friends anymore. You don't call. You've deleted them from Facebook. You've deleted their number, right? It's amazing how, I mean, I feel like especially Monopoly, but, but, but a lot of games, a lot of, a lot of you know, things that are relatively unimportant. It's amazing how many of those things get people worked up and get them upset for all the wrong reasons. In fact, I was, I was remembering this when I was a kid growing up, right? You don't have to... You don't have to um, uh, teach kids how to feel like this. It's just sort of like built within kids. It's like innate in them. I, I remember when I was a kid and we were growing up, we, we went camping with some friends. At least they were friends. And so anyway, we started playing uh, a card game 
and and all the kids were there and I can't remember what we were playing I think it maybe was Uno and and so here we are and and one by one I don't know somehow we were eliminating people from the group and it got down to just me and this and this one other kid and so we're playing and and all the other kids are sitting around us and I think the last three cards that I had were like all draw fours so it really didn't matter what they thought they were going to do it was all ending here and so I remember I played one and, I, and you know, it's funny because I remember that as I started to play these cards and the whole game, I could see this guy getting really worked up. You know, like you can see when people feel uncomfortable, it's like they're shuffling in their seat. It's not helping. They're shuffling, they're moving, they're getting agitated. You know, sweat is starting to bead. It's just a game, but it doesn't really matter because once you're emotionally invested, right, then it's serious. This is like do or die kind of stuff here. I replayed the second card and they were really mad. And then it only took one more thing. It was just like all this stuff had been building up and they were trying to bury it, but it was kind of obvious to the rest of us. And it was just one little trigger. You know what that trigger was? My last draw four. And so I put that card down. If you don't know how to play Uno, you've probably got friends around you. You know, like this thing can separate friends because when I played that last card, I've never seen anything like it. Everything that had been buried for the last, you know, half an hour, hour, it all erupted in this moment right and this guy he just flipped and when you when I say flipped I mean 100% really genuinely flipped he actually put his hands under the table and flipped it you didn't know you could flip a table in a tent guess what you can I saw it I had to dive out the way of course I thought it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life right because he was so worked up about it just so mad about it right but just you know flipped the table said and, and I can remember the words you're cheating except they used a lot more words than that that I cannot say in church and so they said you're cheating they stormed out we didn't see them for a while and you know I mean we're intense right so the, everyone around us heard this argument right and you think gosh it was so dramatic it was Uno <laughs> like who cares but you know once you're emotionally invested in something it's amazing how it can just start to set people off. Now, here's something that you may not realize, but your heart is not that great at processing emotions. It's not that great. And, and that's important because if you're listening to your heart and you already know it's not really good at doing this, well, it makes you think about how you should respond or when, in fact, you should listen to it. Now, if I had to look back at that situation and make the call on what really happened there, I would say in that scenario that that guy, his, his heart ruled his behavior, you know? Like, it wasn't like some logical voice kicked in and said, you know, we're really going to have to be friends with this guy afterwards. Just chill. It's just a game. No, it doesn't matter, right? That conversation never took place. It was just, I hate this, and I hate that guy, and, and this is the worst thing ever, right? His behavior was totally ruled by what was going on inside of his heart. Now, when somebody explodes like that, or something comes out of them like that, you know what we call that? It's not a trick. We just call it anger, right? It's not a trick question. We call that anger. And anger can be a really serious thing. And I want to talk about it today. Before I do, I, I realize, of course, that there are maybe some people that are sitting here and going, well, you know what? You know, everyone gets angry, even God. God gets angry. Ah, yes, He does. In fact, if we were looking to the Old Testament, we would see that it sometimes refers to God's anger. When it talks about God's anger, it talks about His wrath. And if you look, and theologically, if you were to understand this, His wrath actually fits under His 
divine attributes. And his divine attributes are things that often separate us from who he is. Now, we both experience anger at different times. There is a major difference between the anger that we might experience and the anger that God might experience. Because when he experiences anger, it's always a righteous thing that happens. He actually can see every side of every situation, knows what's going on in the hearts of everyone that's involved. And he is in a unique position, a position that we are not able to be in. So when we talk about God's anger and how he feels, it's very different to how we might feel. It's very different to how we might respond. Now, I know and I understand that there are times when people might respond with righteous anger. I don't know, you've come across a scenario, a situation that's moved you or motivated you and you wanted to respond righteously. Just for the record, that is not what I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about that kind of righteous anger response because what I'd hate for you to do is to put everything into the same category and say, God gets upset, we get upset, it's okay, it's all good. Like, you know, no, 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 no. There is a major difference. I'm talking about a very specific kind of anger. And here's the interesting thing is that even if we feel righteously angry, do you know what the scriptures say? That we are not supposed to respond to it. It says, even if it's a righteous kind of anger, even then we are not supposed to get revenge. And that's where we start to hit a problem. Because when you feel like somebody's done the wrong thing to you, oftentimes what you want to do is get back. Or, or I don't know, like make it even. It's really easy to happen. I want to tell you something the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 19. He said, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now that's a great scripture, but let me tell you something. You got to see this scripture within the framework and context of God's character. Because if you are new and you're at church today, maybe this is actually confirming what you've always really secretly thought about God, which is that He's always brooding. He's always upset. He's always ticked off with you. He's always angry. And I cannot tell you that that could not be further from the truth, right? So how does this scripture fit in to this God that we serve and this God that we worship? And we talk about God being full of grace. You know, in fact, this theme this year for, for Bright Church is grace upon grace. How can it be grace upon grace? And he goes, oh, don't worry, I'll get him back. What? How does that work? Well, let me explain something to you. What is astonishing to me is that God has every right to deliver justice to every human being that does the wrong thing. And this is the most amazing part. This is why the God that we serve is so incredible. What is astonishing to me is that He has already poured out His wrath and His vengeance and His justice on Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. See, if you don't understand the gospel and you look at this scripture and just isolate it outside of God's character, you may miss how good our God really is. As it is, the Bible says that everyone, everyone, all of us, me included, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? The problem with that is, is that we need to pay the penalty for our sins unless you put your faith in Jesus, in which case the divine wrath that is being ready to be poured out has already been done on Him. What does that mean? It means that if you have a relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ, here's what you get. Grace and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. So yeah, I'll talk about God's justice and His wrath within the context 
of the gospel and you got to see it the way that it really is. See, God chose what to do with his anger and you get to choose that too. So anger is a really powerful emotion and you get to choose what you want to do with it. So you, you can internalize it and try to pretend that it doesn't exist. And if you do that, you'll become like, like a volcano that is slowly building up pressure and it'll just take one draw four card to set you off and it'll be a small thing, but it's all it took because it's all there and you were pretending it didn't exist. So you can, you can internalize it. The other thing that you could do, you can just vent it. Every time it happens, you just vent, vent, vent. That is not the best idea. You can experience physical symptoms from getting angry. You can experience emotional symptoms from getting angry. When you get angry, it's normally in response to a situation or an event or a person or just a crazy story that you told yourself because you have an imagination. Is anybody in here got what we would consider an overactive imagination? No one. There are many liars here today for which I will pray for you all after the service. You have an imagination. You imagine a scenario. Here's what's really funny. Is that you can actually find yourself getting angry about a story that you told yourself. It never happened. You just imagined what someone would say to you and how you would respond. And the longer you tell the story, the more that volcano builds, right? And there's no one there to vent to or talk to. You're all by yourself. You just totally made it up. Isn't it interesting how just emotionally and even physically, you can just respond to a story or a scenario that you created. This is what happens to people. Listen to, you know, King David wrote this Psalm, Psalm 37 verse 8. He said, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Well, that's interesting. That's what Paul said. Old Testament, New Testament, same thing. And then it says this word, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. So when we say fret, to me, and maybe I'm just projecting here, but to me, when somebody's fretting, I think they're anxious. You know, like they're excessively worried and thinking about something. But that's actually not what that word means. This word is a, yes, it's still a verb, but it's, a, it's actually a progressive word. It's the process of becoming hot. In other words, it's the process of becoming very angry. In fact, in the original language, you could use this word for the word we use as kindling. So it's like if you were going to start a fire, you'd get together some kindling. That's what this is saying. Hey, 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 hey. come on. Don't start adding fuel to the fire. Come on, don't, don't, don't start getting upset about it. Refrain from your anger. Forsake wrath, right? Don't add fuel to the fire. Don't start to get yourself worked up, everyone with an overactive imagination. Don't tell yourself a story that never really happened. 
don't imagine how you would respond and what they would say and what you would say and how you'd destroy them ultimately with your winning quip that came back at them, which silenced them. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is a very bad idea because you're going to start to work yourself up. Don't do it because what does it say? It tends only to evil. See, every situation has the power to escalate or the ability to escalate. And anger moves up in levels. Now, I want to tell you about six levels of anger that you have potentially experienced or maybe you will experience, but there are six levels that you might go through. And the first one is just an irritation. It's the feeling of discomfort, right? Like, like when you're driving the car and as you're driving, you, you realize that someone wants to pull into your lane because you love Jesus and you want to do the right thing all the time, right? You just put on your brakes a little bit and you just let them in because you're good people, right? Not many of you are good people. My God in heaven, please help these people to be good on the road. Anybody that's not doing this, just pry that Jesus fish off your car. You know, we don't want them to, anyway. So you slow up and you let them in, right? And I don't know if this is, maybe it's just me, right? But you let them in and then I look for something specific. It's a little acknowledgement to let me know that they were thankful, right? And so I let them in and then I'm like, Right? And I'm looking for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm like, what's wrong with these people? Seriously, I hope to God you are not one of these kinds of people. Like if somebody opened the door for you and you walked through, you would say hello. You slow up in your car and let someone in. Is it too much to ask for a little acknowledgement and say, thank you for letting me in when you didn't have to do, you know, like, okay, so this is just a mild irritation, but you know, I love God and all the right. I love Jesus. That's all right. I forgive and move on. All right. So, so it's just an irritation. It's okay. It's cool. I, you can deal with it. But that's just level one, right? Level two is what we call indignation. It's a feeling that something is wrong and it needs to be corrected. Like when you're driving the car and you see on the side of the road that there is like a uh, where, where people have been working on the side of the road, you know, all the workmen during the week, they're there. Except the whole thing is abandoned. Nobody's there. In fact, they haven't even been there for a week. But they still left out their 40 sign. And legally, you're supposed to do 40 past an abandoned work site that nobody has been at for a week. And I am like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Right? Like, honestly, this stuff, this starts to get me upset. Like, this is morally wrong. Someone should call. I don't even know who organizes this. I feel like saying to council, someone's going to say, dude, it's not them that does it. Like, I don't know who does this, but we should find them. You find them. Let me know, okay? Because when I see this, I'm like, are you kidding me? And Sarah, who's like the voice of the Holy Spirit, will be driving past. She'll be like, you know, you're only supposed to do 40. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Right, they shouldn't have left their signs out. It's wrong. It should be made right. Okay? I haven't even got to wrath yet. That's like level three, right? So this is the next one, wrath. All right. So wrath is like a, a strong desire for revenge. Like you want to get someone back, yeah? Like when you're driving, 
Like, like, these are all driving, okay? Because you know what I've discovered is that normal people can get into a car and become crazy. <laughs> so like when you're driving, right? And, and, and you're doing the speed limit, you're, you're a good driver, and someone, because they have issues, has driven up so close behind your car that you're wondering how their boot or their, their bonnet is not actually inside of your boot. Like you're like, I can't believe it. I can see this guy's wrinkles. What the heck is wrong with this person, right? Why are they so angry? I am doing the speed limit, right? So now you're in this situation, right? And you feel there's a little bit of wrath that's coming. So what do you do with it, right? Well, like you could, right? And I would never, but I have friends, Zach, okay? That's not true, I think, right? But you, but you slow down, right? So now you're doing like, you know, 10 below the speed limit, right? And they, if they, or if they were mad before, right? They are, now they're like psychopaths, right? So they're crazy, right? Why? Because you're slowed down and you are enjoying it like it's the best feeling, so I'm told, right? And it's the best feeling because you see that they were angry before and you just tipped them over the edge, right? So, so you've got a little bit of revenge. What are you doing? I'm going to get back at you. I'm going to make it even, right? Especially if they're in a single lane and they can't go anywhere. It's the best. Just don't stop at the traffic lights. You just have to run every red light after that moment. Don't let them pull up next to you, okay? So, so, so that's, that's the next level, right? And then there's level four. We haven't even got to fury yet. That's level four, right? Which is the partial loss of control. So, so some days you're the guy that's early and the psychopath is behind you. But on the day that you're late, you become the psychopath. So now what's happening, right, is that everyone is slowing you down, even though they're doing the speed limits, but now you're late and you're like, what is wrong? with this person? Why don't they drive just a little bit faster? If they would just went a little bit faster, I won't be late. And it's your fault because you're the one that left late and you didn't organize yourself properly. But now everyone is an enemy, right? Turning lanes are your enemy. The traffic lights are your enemy, right? Uh, uh, people are your enemy. Pedestrians are your enemy, right? Don't run them over. Like, you know, everything is your enemy, right? And what happens? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So, so you start to maybe say some things. You start to maybe react in certain ways. I was with my kids during the week. They actually asked me this question. They said, Dad, when you use your horn, uh, how do you, how, they actually asked, how do you use it? And I said, oh, well, I said, kids, there are levels, there are ways to use your horn. Then I realized this is a system that only I know. <laughs> and I thought I could have this wrong. So I'm actually looking for feedback, just not or give me something to let me know, right? So this is what I would say. I would say one beep, right? It's just to say thank you to someone, like, or someone, that, oh, or, or just to let them know, sorry, that they've, that they're, you know, the light's gone green, and they're, they're in their car, and they haven't seen it, so you're like, beep, right? And they go, oh, you know, then if they're good, they give you the wave, and you drive off together, <laughs> right? We, we, would you say that? One beep? Yeah. One beep is like, hey, buddy, it's just gone green. You just weren't paying attention, but it's okay. <laughs> no problem. I don't hate you. It's just that I have to be somewhere. That, that's, that's one beep, right? I would say a quick two beep is to say thank you, right? Somebody, like a truck pulls over and you drive past and you go, beep, beep, thank you. Would you, is that fair? Okay, so this, I don't know how we all know this, but there is a system. 
right? No one's taught me this. Do you notice that when you go for your driver's license, they, they never actually, they never say to you, by the way, if you want to know how to use your horn, here is a beeping system. No one says that, but you discovered it along the way, right? And they say, well, what if somebody does something really stupid, right? That is a prolonged beep, right? Beep, right? Only the horn, not your mouth, just, just the horn, right? A prolonged beep, right? That lets them know that they are an idiot. That they have, in fact, not paid attention to what is going on and they nearly hit you, right? Now, I didn't actually say the word idiot to my kids, right? But it was funny because, you know, just yesterday we were driving along the road and there was a turning lane, so, so double lane, and all the cars are banged up, but I could see it early, so I moved into the left, and it's a clear lane, and we're just flying past all the cars. Until one person decides that without looking, they're going to turn straight into my lane, at which point they received a prolonged beep. And my son said, Dad, is that person an idiot? Now, guys... I'm a pastor. <laughs> I can't lie, right? I said, yes. I said, that person is a total idiot, right? Because they nearly caused a major accident because they weren't paying attention. They turned out without checking their mirrors, right? So, it, but you know what? This is actually very, very comforting for me to know that the beeping system works and I understand how it works. So this is just good for me. So, okay. All right. So Fury... Partial loss of control, everyone's the enemy, you hate the world. All right, number, number five, this is rage, right? So, and I have to be honest, like, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever raged on the road. Like, this has just not been an experience that I have had. But I imagine this is where, like, partial loss of control is where now, you know, your heart is bypassing everything logically in your brain and just saying, kill them, and you feel like it's a good decision to make at the time, right? So you're just raging, you're acting right now. I, I actually don't have never had this, but, right, I thought since I am venting, and this is quite therapeutic for me, actually, everybody, but, but, but since, because I'm among friends, I feel like I could share without judgment, right? Okay, yeah. 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 so, so one of the things that tips me over the edge I really hope I get support in here because 9 a.m., they might be more holy than you guys. I don't know, right? But, but one thing that tips me over the edge is when I go to search for something and it's not where it should be. Right? Right. You know? And so let's say I'm looking for a jacket or a T-shirt or something like that. So I, I've checked my wardrobe and it's definitely not in there. I've checked my drawers and it's definitely not in there. And I've checked, you know, the, the washing basket, and it's definitely not in there. And then I checked the unofficial washing basket, which is in the corner of the room that we try to pretend is not even there, and it definitely wasn't in there, right? And then I checked, you know, the washing line, and I've checked the washing machine and the dryer, and it's not there. And, right, and what begins, there is this progressive nature with which I remove items that are in my way. I mean, initially, I start to just go, oh, look at that, it's not in the drawer. But by the end, I'm grabbing the basket, and I'm like, where is it? And I am throwing things everywhere right and I'm creating a mess right and I'm like you know because I start to get worked out where is this thing it is not where it should be right but this is what happens like without your brain checking in with logic because of course you're gonna have to clean up all that mess later right right your brain doesn't go come on this is you're making work more work for yourself it just gets angry all right here is the last level we just call this hostility and hostility is a level where it's actually not just an event or a season, but it's become your personality. So it's your outlook. It's your view 
of the world. It's just how you feel all of the time. In truth, you have just become an angry person, right? Now, I'm saying this to you because there are so many reasons that your heart will find to get angry. Sometimes you're jealous. Sometimes you're prideful. Sometimes, you know, there's just something in your heart. It's the last draw for, there's a trigger, there's something, and it doesn't seem reasonable, but it doesn't matter at this point because you are just set off. Here is something that is so important that you absolutely have to know, which is that anger always finds a way to present itself. It always finds a way out somewhere. And you can pretend that you're not angry and you can pretend that you're not set, upset, but it'll always find an expression. And that's important because anger has the power to destroy your life, has the power to destroy your relationships. And see, like I'm, I'm just talking about some driving and some low level stuff that's happening, right? But this, this thing that I'm talking about, this is actually very serious. And it's serious in this country because I don't know if you would be aware or not, but the statistics on domestic violence in Australia, to me, are shocking. Here's a couple of things that might be helpful for you to know. 17% of women, that is excessively high. 17% of women, or 1.6 million, and 5.9% of men, or just over half a million men, experience physical violence from a current or former partner. Guys, it's crazy. People are suffering because someone can't control their heart. They're just venting and they're getting to the level where they're acting on it and it's hurting people. There's, there's, there's more. You know, in 2019 to 2020, 82,000 people were looking for emergency accommodation for homelessness and the main cause of almost all of those cases, domestic violence. In this country, in Australia, on average, one woman is killed every nine days because of domestic violence. Shockingly, when it comes to men, it's one man is killed every 29 days because of domestic violence. And I was kind of shocked by both of those, actually. Like this is, th that kind of thing, when it gets to that level, I mean, it's just, it's out of control. And statistically, I, I would say that although both sexes probably experience anger, it seems to be the case that men are worse at dealing with it. They give vent to their anger. They get worked up. They act on it and probably, you know, come on, both genders here are getting upset, but, but men seem to be responding worse than women. And this stuff that I'm talking about, this is, this, is not, this is not okay. What's happening is people, their behavior is being ruled by their hearts. And I know that there are sometimes extenuating circumstances. So we would know that sometimes depression and drugs are going to play a role to some degree, but not on that scale. I mean, depression and drugs are not playing, you know, uh, you, you know, not all of those stats could be affected by drugs and, and, and depression, which means that there's just a lot of people out there who are not dealing with their issues. Here, here's my whole point. If anger rules you, it'll destroy you and everything around you. 
It destroys your relationships. It destroys your, it can destroy your marriage, your friendship. It can destroy so much around you. People wouldn't, won't even want to hang out with you. Why? Because you create so much mess because of who you are. In fact, listen to this. Marcus Antonius said, Consider how much more you often suffer from your anger and grief than from those very things for which you are angry and grieved. So he's saying, and this is thousands of years ago. Someone has this revelation. Marcus Antonius says, you know, that when you get upset, you create a worse mess than the very thing that you were upset about in the first place. You know, let me just ask you a couple of questions. The last time that you were upset, angry, last time you got really angry, how'd that work out for you? Come on, how'd, how'd that work out for you? Just think back, the last time you got really ex- upset, really worked up about something, how'd it work out for you? How'd, how'd you feel in the middle of it? How'd you feel after it? Do you think that you created a, a safe space for, for people around you? Or do you think that maybe, you know, depending on the level that you went to, that people felt like maybe you were a bit of an unsafe person to be around? How much mess did you create around yourself that became a problem for you later on that you had to clean up, but because you got pride in your heart, you tried to pretend like nothing ever happened in the first place. And that's why you've got relational rifts in your life and there's still open wounds that haven't been able to be healed because you got all these issues that you refuse to deal with because you can't face the fact that you've actually got an issue that needs sorting out. How'd, you, how'd, that, how'd that work out for you? Do you know what Proverbs says? Proverbs actually says that, No one should spend time with anyone who is given to anger. Listen, 22 verses 24 to 25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man, do not go. Don't spend time with that person, lest you learn his ways and set a snare, which is a trap that's ready to go off at any moment, lest you set a snare for your soul. Here's why you shouldn't spend time with really, really angry people, Proverbs says. Number one, well, logically, you might be the recipient of their wrath. That makes sense. But at least you get to walk away from it. Problem is, if you spend more time with people like that and you become more like the people you spend time with, now you set a trap for your own soul. See, the problem with being an angry person is wherever you go, there you are. And you are the cause of a lot of your own problems and you can blame it, but you could move cities, you know, change your name, get a new ID, move to another country, start a brand new life and you'll still be the same person on the inside if you refuse to address the issue that's in there. You just gotta, you gotta deal with it. We have a guy in our church, his name's Charles. Charles is a great man. I was telling him about this message. He told me a a story that I asked for permission to share. I thought this is outstanding. He said, when he was a young man, he uh, would sometimes get angry and, and worked up over things. So when he was single before, you know, he was married and, and because we know their family, I just want to make the point that he was single at this time. He actually, you know, would get worked up living by himself. He decided to go to a uh, secondhand shop, right? And he bought a box full of china plates secondhand, right? He took them home and he put them in his kitchen, And he said to himself, every time I get angry, I'm going to take one of these plates out. I'm going to smash it on the floor, right? So Charles really did this. 
I said, how did that work out for you, Charles? He said, well, he said, the interesting thing was, he goes, I never, firstly, I never made it through the box. I said, why was that? He said, well, at first I took a plate out and I smashed it on the ground and it felt really good in the moment. The problem was, is that it created a huge mess. And although it felt good in the moment, it took so long to clean up the mess afterwards that it wasn't worth getting upset in the first place. I said, that is the most brilliant thing that I've heard on the subject of anger. And if people that are given to anger could just understand what you said, Charles, maybe their lives would be better off. Do you understand and see that as good and as righteous as it may feel in the moment, if you get angry and you make a mess you're going to create more issues for yourself later on. You have to clean it up. It's actually worse than it was before. And let me tell you something about this. If you can get that worked up, the enemy of your soul loves it because he wants to destroy your life and he only needs a crack in your relationship with another person before he tries to find his way in there and erode it and destroy it. Hello, married people here today. The enemy of your soul would love to destroy your marriage. He would love to destroy what God has brought together. Remember that? It says, let no man separate. Well, that includes you if you're married, okay? And all the enemy is looking for is this little wedge in which he can get in and say, you know what? Divorce would be easier. You know what? You guys should just quit this thing. He would love to ruin everything that's going on in your life. Listen to what the Scriptures say. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and mark this in your Bibles. Give no opportunity to the devil. Why would it say that within the framework and context of anger? Because when you get angry, you give the devil opportunity. Yeah, that's how that works. Now, if you're a person that's given to anger all of the time, you're just giving them lots of opportunity. Lots of opportunity. Every relational issue becomes an opportunity for the enemy of your soul to move in and destroy your relationships. That's why I say if anger rules you, it can destroy you and everything around you. And it's just not worth it. So here's what I want to do today in the time we have left. I want to tell you four things that you can do that I think will actually help you. And although these four things are going to be stated simply, I realized that practically they may need time to be worked on. Here's the first one. When it comes to the issue of getting worked up or getting angry, number one, see it. Because it's no good pretending that it doesn't exist. It's no good saying it's not really there because you know what's happening? You're becoming a volcano. And all it takes is one draw four and your cactus. Why? Because it was just a little trigger, right? And it set you off. And now it's become a major issue when it never had to be in the first place. Come on, if you're upset, it's going to happen, right? You've got to first see it. Psalm 4.4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. That is what we would call a Hebrew idiom, which means that we can't understand everything that they meant from the sum of the words that are present in the text. But there is, a, there is some culture, there is some history here, there is some nuance in here. It's like something that they would say to each other. Here's what that psalm really means. It means that it permits anger in the sense that we understand that it's going to happen, but then immediately provides boundaries for which it should be expressed. Okay, so you're going to get upset? Yes. You're going to get angry? Sure but there are boundaries that should be put in place, okay? Because 
If you give in to what your heart says, you're going to regret it. Number one, see it. Here's number two, delay it. Now I realize that this is sometimes a challenge, right? But if you can, you should delay your reaction to the thing that's driving you crazy. If it's possible, listen to what the scriptures say. Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Now, the kind of military precision it takes to take down a city would be remarkable, yes? Yeah, Yeah, but if you can rule your spirit, you're better than that guy. You have a level of self-control that is absolutely astounding. And we're all impressed and and we remark at how amazing it is because if you can rule your spirit, in other words, if you can stop your heart from just telling you how to react to a situation, you're going to do very, very well. Don't. Don't just, re- don't just react the moment that something happens. Disengage for like a minimum of 20 minutes, at least. Go for a walk, call a friend, speak to a pastor, whatever you need, right? And you, you just got to pray about it. Because if you just listen to what your heart says, it'll say, kill them, kill them, kill them, destroy them, pour out your wrath on them, wipe them from the face of the planet. This is over, end them, right? And you're like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. All right, that's a little excessive. But you know, my point is, Don't just listen to your heart in the moment. How long should you wait? Well, as long as you need to be able to talk. You know? So don't come back 10 minutes later when you're just as angry. You spent the last 10 minutes filling in the blanks with your imagination about how you'd get back at that person, right? That is not the time to respond. If you can do step number two, you'll find step number three a lot easier. Control it. So I realized that, you know, (laughs) You know, like when I say control your anger, it seems kind of crazy because you say, if somebody's just worked up and just going crazy and you say to them, have you thought about controlling it? I feel like they would say, are you, are you serious? Like, I don't have any control at this point. Like that's, that's the whole point, right? Yeah. Ah, yeah, but if you put in step number two, which is delaying it, you'll be in the position to control it. See how that works? Yeah. So delay it. And then control it. Everyone loves Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil, right? Well, I think that Proverbs 29, 11 is very, very good. Listen to this. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Now, that's good advice. I wish everyone remembered that one. You know? Oh, you know what's interesting about that is It didn't say that a, a wise man never gets angry. If you're wise, you'll never experience anger. No, no, no. Saying a wise man will experience what someone who vents experiences, but the person that's wise has maybe delayed it and is in the position to now control it, doesn't give full vent, but holds it back. What do they do? They put boundaries in their place so they don't make further mess in their life. That, that just makes sense to me. Respond, don't react. Wait till you can speak. That's the length of time that you need to wait. Speak, don't yell, and surrender your rights for revenge. Because remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 19? He said, hey, leave it to God. Remember he said that? So you've got to give up your right for revenge. You're not going to get back at them, right? You're going to move forwards. And this is the final step. And this is very important. This will bring a lot of closure and peace into your life and your relationships. Final step, settle it. Just settle it. I know that when I say settle it, in the, in the context of everything that I've said, you might think that that means 
that the relationship has to be perfect like it never was before. No, no, I'm saying that you can settle it within yourself, right? How do you do that? Well, I think you have to forgive. And if you want more information on how important that is, you should just go back to last week's message. Spend the whole time talking about it. You know, it's really important to understand. Let me summarize. If you don't forgive other people, God's not forgiving you. Now, that's going to become a serious problem for you because if you hold on to your hurts for the rest of your life, you'll be holding on to them in eternity. That's a price that's too high. You can't afford to pay it. So I know it's difficult, but you're going to have to call a pastor or a leader or someone somewhere and begin to talk it through. Because you need to deal with this. If you don't deal with this, it's going to eventually deal with you. It's going to become a major issue. If you give in to it, you'll regret it. Remember what the Scriptures say? That the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, that becomes a mirror for our souls. So when we see things in us that don't reflect that, we go, all right, I'm still upset about it, but I know I'm not living like that. I'm not where I should be. I accept where I am, but there's room for improvement. Okay, that's the way I'm, I'm, I'm really supposed to be responding here. So, so, so you got to deal with this. Like, develop a strategy, get some counseling, know your triggers, be accountable, apologize when you've made a mistake. Husbands and wives, you know, it's like sometimes you become so familiar that you can forget how important it is to apologize. Make it right where you can. You know, you know like you've probably met people that you've never heard them apologize in their life. It's because they have so much pride in their heart that they feel like it's a crack in their fragile identity to admit that they actually did something wrong, which everybody already knows. It's like the last person to know is them. My, my goodness, is that really where we're at? Where someone can't say sorry because of their overall appearance or how to make them look? For, for God's sake, be humble. And say, you know what? This is, this is not okay. I shouldn't have said that. I made a mistake. If I had my time over, I wouldn't say it again. I'm saying sorry and do everything that you can where possible to make it right. Because if you don't deal with your anger, your anger will deal with you. And it destroys you and everything around you. Don't let anger ruin your life. Don't let it destroy your relationships. Stop having to create new friends because you've got rifts with old friends. You know, you, you know that there's an issue in your life when you you always got drama. There's always stuff that's going on. You always get worked up about stuff that you don't really need to get worked up on. Like I said, once you're emotionally involved, like it's, it's like the situation doesn't even matter anymore. It's just, you're too involved. You can't see it clearly now. You're just really upset and there's no good reason for it. I'm telling you, just destroy your life. You know what I think is so sad is that I really believe that God has so many plans for people and they ruin it, ruin the plans that He has for them by not behaving in ways that will bring them closer towards what God's got for them. You got to deal with this. I mean, who wants to feel like this? Who, who wants to be angry? Who wants to be bitter? Who wants to be twisted? Who wants to have the weight of the world on their shoulders? 
and, and, and always be experiencing these things. Like nobody wants that, right? Like, I mean, I think like logically, I mean, doesn't, doesn't everyone want peace, friends, good relationships, to be humble enough to move past things that were sometimes unfair, but you didn't give yourself over to that situation so you can continue to have that friend in your life. Come on, this is the life that God's got for you. So here's what I wanna do. And close your eyes for a minute. And what I'm about to say to you, I really believe takes incredible humility. Because I've discovered that most people don't really want to admit when they've got an issue with anger. Maybe because it's embarrassing. You know what I've realized though? Is that whenever you want God to help you with anything in your life, you need to first come for Him, come to Him and ask Him for help. And it's those that ask for help. It's the humble that receive God's grace, not the proud. I've been praying about this message all week because I really believe that there were people that could be set free in this moment and walk out lighter than they walked in. This is honestly one of those crossroad moments that could change your life forever if you respond to it in the right way. But you first got to go to God and say, help me with this. So with every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, I know there's an issue in my life with this, just raise your hand and say, help me. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you. God bless you. Oh man, I'm so encouraged because God gives grace to the humble. Father, I thank you for every person with a hand raised right now that says, there's an issue in my life in this area. Oh God. I pray the presence of your spirit come. I pray you move fresh in their life. I pray you come by their side. And Lord, would you speak peace over their life? Every, every issue in their life that has something to do with anger, I pray, God, that you come and pr provide peace that is a current state of mind. You, your Scriptures say that you provide a peace that surpasses understanding. Sometimes we think about that within the context of a moment, but God, I pray for it to be the context of their condition. That God, while they're going through a season or a circumstance that would normally make them get so upset, I pray, God, that they would experience a peace in that moment that says, it's okay. You're still sovereign, God. You see everything that's wrong. You can make it right. I pray for grace upon grace upon grace to be in their lives. And I pray that no one misses out on everything that you have for them because they gave themselves to something that could destroy them. But I pray, God, that you pour out into their lives and they'd hear you, acknowledge you. I pray, God, help them in every season, every situation, every circumstance, every conversation, anything that would just trigger them, God. We pray that all of that would be done and dealt with right now. And I pray, God, that they would become people of grace that just continue to pour out Your grace. Father, I pray that You help them to move from this place, to be free and to walk comfortably with peace into the future that You have for them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.